You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lesko, along with your host, James Rapine. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Coconut Brownie Chunk was the champion of the Built Bar bracket. Thank you for everyone who voted correctly. You can still save 15% at BuiltBar.com using promo code LOCK15. James, we've got a Penne Sewell Pro Day to talk about. That was on Friday. And one thing that I thought would be a really good idea after the Penne Sewell Pro Day, after all the discourse in the last week, and I, I use discourse loosely there, about Sewell versus Chase, I thought that we should just ignore the first round for for (laughs) Mock Draft Monday and instead just look in a vacuum. I've got three different simulators pulled up, all of them parked at pick 38, and we're going to look at just who are the best players that the Bengals can draft at pick 38, just totally regardless of what they do at pick number five. So we're going to go there a little bit later. But I thought we should start with Penny Sewell's Pro Day because that arm length was surprising, elicited strong reactions from some people, myself included. I was very surprised by the measurement. I went back and I watched four games of Penny Sewell immediately while he was still doing his other tests. I didn't even see his other tests as they were coming in. And I'll just say this it, it doesn't show up, it's not an issue. I, I don't think that it affects his play at all in, in no discernible way. And it's because he's so athletic is because he has such great size and, and such great balance. I think that those things all just totally negate the length concern. That being said, he didn't necessarily face any, you know, extremely long opposition, but I, I think the length thing from an evaluation standpoint and I am not an expert evaluator, but you go read the ones that are, doesn't matter. Uh, but I do think it matters to the Bengals, James, because the Bengals have never drafted an offensive tackle, at least since we've been tracking it, with arms shorter than 30, 33 and a half inches in the first round, ever. And if there is an exception, it's Penesul. It's everything else, and we'll get into the, the other testing and everything he did. But it's worth pointing out, and you pointed it out, I pointed it out, and, and depending on what side of the debate you're on, people got mad or happy, and that's not what I think either of our intentions are. Like if Jamar Chase was 5'11 and three quarters, well, now that's a an issue. You're like, ah, you know, and it, it's only a half an inch, and now it shouldn't matter, and it might not, but when you're doing these pre-draft evaluations, they matter. When you're splitting hairs between what could be a generational-type wide receiver and a generational type offensive lineman, every little detail matters. And so, yeah, with Sewell, it's it's funny. You mentioned that it, it didn't hurt him, you know, on, on film. And I know Jim Nagy, the uh, the the director of the Senior Bowl, the guy who puts the Senior Bowl together, he said, it, it, "This wasn't surprising to me." And I'm paraphrasing his tweet. Um, and, and I'm actually surprised that his arms were were that long. And I, it was surprising to me actually that they were that that short. But I guess his point is. It didn't affect him. And I do wonder, outside of the Bengals, the Falcons were there, 31 teams total. 
Uh, we're watching Sewell and, and the rest of Oregon's pro day on Friday. I wonder where he does fall in that first round. And I, I do think that that could impact where he goes. Heck, Jonah Williams had longer arms, but he did fall to 11. Now, I'm not saying he's the athlete or the prospect that Penny Sewell is, but I could see Sewell falling a little bit if the Bengals don't take him at five. The weight difference is really the big, yep. the big differentiator Size. there. I mean, 331 pounds and still running, you know, an 86 percentile 40 for offensive tackles. And that includes guys running it at like 290 because sometimes guys show up and they're they're 290 and they're tackles and they run a 4840. Sam Cosme this year runs a 4840, 30 pounds lighter. Uh, you know, the, the shuttle and the three cone, four, six, eight shuttle, seven, eight, three cone at his size is is remarkable that is not something that RAS captures at all because again it's just comparing offensive tackles to offensive tackles doesn't matter if you're 290 or 330 it's just all tackles I I think I saw that uh, Kent the guy that does the RAS stuff said that it was a a nigh historic number for for the shuttle for a guy at that weight also had really good explosion, a, a nine foot uh, broad at 330 is an incredible number. So all of his testing, when you, when you take his size into account, it is better than it looks if you just go look at the RAS card, the relative athletic scorecard. So regardless of, of if you think that, you know, he should have tested out of this world and he only tested like a 90th percentile athlete, well... I'm sorry, but being a 90th percentile athlete doesn't take you out of the top five if you think the tape is top five tape. It's just it just shouldn't be how it works. So for, for me, the the pro day doesn't really end up changing anything. He does test like a really good athlete, maybe not as well as I thought he would, but it, it doesn't. I don't think it really matters. Like the 330 pounds he has, he has a shirtless photo, and and all the scouts I'm sure went crazy for it, looking at how he carries that weight. And, and that's a weird part of scouting. You know, you hear guys talk about, you know, offensive linemen's butts and that sort of fun thing, you know. But, <laughs> he, he, you know, he carries the weight well. And so, I, I, I don't know. For, for well, me, if the Bengals take him in the top five, nothing, nothing about his pro day should have changed that. Well, think about it. He ran his 40 shirtless. And the the top 10 pick that the Bengals used on Andre Smith after he ran his shirtless 40, it, the way you carry weight matters. You're right. And he didn't look anything like Andre Smith did. And that's an extreme example. But the point's the same, right? He carries the weight well. And he's uh, he's certainly a freakish athlete. And you're right. It, it confirmed. I think it confirmed, much like Chase the other day, where we could have talked about his arms too, right? And we mentioned it on the podcast. But at both pro days, these guys, what they did is they confirmed what I think NFL teams saw on tape, that they're elite athletes for their size, for their stature, for what they do. You know, Chase, Chase wins, uh, how he wins, he's physical, he's strong. Well, guess what? He did a bunch of bench press reps. Same thing with Sewell, right? He's powerful, he's athletic, he can move. Well, he did well in the three cone. He did well with the bench press. And and so that's – it doesn't not impact the – I don't want to say it doesn't have any impact, but I don't think it's negative impact. I just think it reinforces everything that – we, we thought of Chase-wise or we thought of Sewell-wise, and the same thing goes for these NFL teams that are trying to decide potentially between these two and other top prospects in this draft. Yeah, I think it's just that, 
you know, there's a there's a should it impact the evaluation versus a will it impact the draft status? And those are two separate topics. Should it impact your evaluation of Sewell? No, I don't think that it should. I mean, people, Joe and myself both talked about a lunging issue. And I think people kind of latched onto that. If you go watch it and you talk to guys like Brandon Thorne, they'll tell you, oh, it's, it's targeting issues, it's technique issues, it's overaggression issues. It's not necessarily that he has short arms. And, and as Bengals fans, we have that in our heads from watching Billy Price and that being a tendency with Billy Price, who has, you know, relatively historic short arms and, and he gets out in front of his toes a lot. But, you know, Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter goes out there and he has clips from Alex Leatherwood who has prototypical length, of essentially, you know, 34 plus inch arms. He does the same thing. It's it's target point. It's aggression. It's technique. It's not necessarily a length thing. But at the same time, like you said, James, it, it does matter to NFL teams. And we don't know exactly how it matters to NFL teams, but we do know that the Bengals don't draft guys with his arm length in the first round historically. And if they do, they'd be making an exception. But like you said, James, same is true for Chase. They've never drafted a, a first-round wide receiver with arms as short as Jamar Chase. Does it matter as much for wide receivers? Probably not. But either way, if it's one of those two guys, the Bengals are going to be breaking precedent with who they pick in the top 10. Coming up next, let's take a look at the second round. I think that's enough Chase versus Sewell for this episode, don't you? <laughs> Coming up next, we will get into the options at 38 and just ignore pick five for a while. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, and it is here. The national championship. Did you see that buzzer beater? Gonzaga rolls on. They're in it against Baylor. Can they get it done? Can they become the first team since 1979 to go wire to wire undefeated? We'll see tonight. And you know what you need to do? Get in on the action because you have an opinion. Maybe you think Baylor's going to pull off the upset or maybe Gonzaga is going to continue to roll, baby. Either way, go to betonline.ag right now. Bet, 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 bet. All you got to do is sign up. It's free to sign up, by the way. And when you place your first deposit, use promo code Locked On. you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So free money. Take advantage of it right now with the national championship game on Monday night again. Use promo code locked on at betonline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. It is Mock Draft Monday here on the Locked On Bengals podcast, but we hear you. You're sick of the Chase versus Sewell quote unquote discourse. You're, you're fatigued. You're over it. You're ready for the draft to be here. But I don't know if we've talked enough about the second round, James, and the second round in a vacuum. Not as an argument to pick Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell or whatever you want to do. So today I thought, what if we just look at the second round? And, and I've pulled up a few simulators here. I've got PFF, I've got the Pro Football Network, and I've got the Draft Network. And they've all got their, their draft simulators and we've run all the way to 38. And I just want to look at an idea of who some of the best guys available are in each of these simulators. Last week, I think I did something similar on Twitter where I ran all these simulators multiple times and I tweeted, here's the offensive linemen that are here. But I thought we could take a holistic look, not just at the tackles, but maybe at the wide receivers a little bit, maybe some of the other trench players and, and talk about where the value 
appears to be and trying to find an idea of who some guys are that, that might be there in the second round and, and who the best player would be then in each of these scenarios. So let's start with PFF here, James. Mm-hmm. And, and some interesting things have happened in this particular simulation. Ronnie Perkins goes in the first round this time. That's a guy that I think is in consideration at 38 to, to play edge rusher from Oklahoma. Alex Leatherwood goes 32, so he's gone in the first round. Sam Cosby goes 33. Joseph Osai goes 34. Aziz Ajulari goes 35. I'm sure I got that name wrong. So a, a lot of edge guys there, a lot of tackles are, are gone. They're not available. And the Bengals now at 38. Well, would you look at that? Still quite a few offensive line options. And, and let's start offensive line, and then we'll look at wide receiver and, and then the other trench positions. So looking at... Offensive tackles and interior offensive linemen. There's Walker Little, who understandably is a big risk. Really have no idea how the NFL is going to to see Walker Little mm-hmm. with his limited playing time and injury history. But then there's Dylan Raddins. There's Tevin Jenkins in this simulation. And if it's not Jenkins, well, maybe it's Cosme, maybe it's Leatherwood, or maybe they are all they're all gone. But there's a chance one of those guys gets there, and I, I highly doubt it's Jenkins at this point, but he's there in this simulation. There's Landon Dickerson, there's Jackson Carmen, there's Quinn Miners, there's Liam Eichenberg, there's Wyatt Davis, there's Creed Humphrey, Jalen Mayfield, and Brady Christensen, Ben Cleveland. All of these guys at this point, I think, are in the conversation. And, and Ben Cleveland might be a name that surprises you, but reading John Sharon's list, he has a great list, by the way. It's since the jungle that went up on Sunday of offensive linemen that could be in consideration at 38 Cleveland at his size and with his athleticism rumor has it that he could be sneaking into the first round, much like Isaiah Wilson, a former teammate of his at Georgia last year. So that's why I mentioned Cleveland here, but that to me, they're not all the, they're not all the same tier of prospect, but that's a lot of guys that, that seem like relatively acceptable second round options, even if you trade back for, for offensive line, that one of these guys could very well be the best player available here. No doubt. I mean, you, you talk about value. This is a perfect example of that it, because it wouldn't shock me if, you know, three or four different guys here would be at the top of the Bengals board. Creed Humphrey, the way he tested, wouldn't be shocked at all if he's the, at the top of their board at 38. It really wouldn't. Landon Dickerson, a guy, if they clear him medically, wouldn't be surprising. Jackson Carmen's interesting. Walker Little, you're right. Like, I, I don't know where to go with him. Like, if, if he was available at 69, it wouldn't shock me because I just I don't know. And, and you mentioned Ben Cleveland. So, I mean, there's all of these options. Didn't get to, to Liam, Eichenberg, Liam Eichenberg. But this particular mock shows what I think you and I have been trying to, you know, explain to people that there's odds are there are going to be plenty and plenty of quality offensive linemen on day two of the draft. And some of these guys are going to fall to round three. And that's the the even more interesting thing to me is, uh, depending on what the Bengals do in round one, they should be able to address the trenches edge-wise, and I know we're going to get to that, tackle-wise, guard-wise, be able to do that on day two of the draft and do it at, at a high level. And, and some of these guys that are there, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Jalen Mayfield right falls to, to round three at 69. That could certainly be someone that the Bengals scoop up and Frank Pollock says, oh, 
I can work with him. I know he didn't test great. I can work with him. I see how he moves people in the run game. There, there's a lot to like about him. So that's uh, certainly one spot. And then let's go to wide receiver because in, in this particular mock, you got a guy in Terrace Marshall who you and I both thought was going to uh, be taken potentially in the first round. Well, he falls to round two. He just doesn't make it all the way to the Bengals. The Dolphins take him at 36. So maybe that's his floor. I was surprised to see him fall that far. But the top guys remaining uh, at wide receiver in this mock, Elijah Moore, Diami Brown, uh, are, are really the two that I would say are, are going to get consideration at 38. And uh, and that's the thing, is, is you limit yourself there. Now, other guys available well, Carlos Basham Jr. tested really well. And Edge could certainly be the top player on the Bengals board. Peyton Turner out of Houston. Maybe they look uh, to a guy like that. And then cornerback, too. Asante Samuel Jr. on the board. Uh, Aleem McNeil, uh, another defensive lineman on the board. Uh, Jason Holland. By the way, the Bengals sent they sent three offensive co- or two offensive coaches, uh, essentially, I guess, if you want to consider Zach just that, but uh, to Oregon's pro day. But Holland's uh, could be there, too. So, a lot of guys here that could be in consideration for that that top spot. But if you notice, it's mostly offensive line, some edge, a couple corners, and then maybe an Elijah Moore falls or, or Diami Brown at wide receiver. And I don't think that Diami Brown, I know we took him when we did sure. the, uh, the stool plan. I don't think that he's necessarily seen as a consensus second rounder. Especially at 38. Yeah, and and I think that you know he's got a skill set that could work with what the Bengals need, but I don't know how many teams necessarily see him there because you're still looking for like a relatively complete wide receiver there, but they're gone. The relatively complete wide receivers, I think there's like six, and I think they're all gone by the time the Bengals pick in the second round. So if they do go receiver in the second round, it's, Elijah Moore, who you're going to have to get creative with. He's a very talented player, great feet, very quick, good hands. But you you have to find ways to stack his releases, get him into the slot, get him moving. He's never going to be your ex receiver. You're never going to have him on the line of scrimmage because he has issues with press. Um, and and it's not just his size. He, he has issues with press. And Diami Brown, very vertical route tree. I, I think that he has issues maintaining or sustaining catches through contact, especially when he's coming back to the line of scrimmage or, or even parallel with the line of scrimmage. Uh, Ife Melifonwu from, from Syracuse gave him problems just with his size, working through his body, knocking the ball free. So, I, I mean, neither of these guys are perfect prospects. Carlos Basham tested great, like you said, and, and that's why, you know, talking about trench pick could be, could be trench pick. Uh, Ali McNeil, I'm not sure if NFL teams all see him here, but PFF is very high on him as a nose tackle. So that's an idea of who's there on the PFF board. We have two more boards, James, to talk about. And we'll look at the Pro Football Network board and the Draft Network boards coming up next. The Built Bar bracket has concluded. The best Built Bar won. It was Coconut Brownie Chunk, my personal favorite built bar, taking the taking the title. And as someone who grew up a Chicago Bulls fan and a Cincinnati sports fan, I haven't felt this kind of pride in winning a tournament since the 1990s. We are the champions. Go ahead, Jake. Give me a woo. 
Nope, those are reserved for special Bengals occasions, but at least you got James singing a little bit. Built Bar, though, still has a ton of great flavors for you to check out. Maybe brownie isn't your thing. Maybe you're into the fruity flavors. Lemon almond cheesecake, cherry barcia, carrot cake. They've got mint brownie, James's old favorite before coconut brownie chunk came along. They're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're great for a keto diet. They're loaded with protein. Take peanut butter, for example, 19 grams of protein on only 180 calories, just five grams of sugar coated in 100% real chocolate. And we've got a promo code for you right now. Locked 15. You'll save 15% on your order at builtbar.com. Go find your favorite flavor and use that promo code when you check out Lock 15 to save 15% at BuiltBar.com. James, let's continue our review of players and simulators available in the second round as we take an alternative approach to Mock Draft Monday this week. We're going to have to get back to that Jamar Chase scenario we said we would do. And uh, we've only got a few weeks left here before the draft, so maybe that'll be next week. We'll go through the Jamar Chase at five scenario. But here we are on Pro Football Network's Mock Draft Simulator looking at who's available at 38. This time Creed Humphrey has been picked. Dylan Raddins has been picked. Sam Cosme has been picked. Terrace Marshall again has been picked. So I imagine looking at wide receiver, it'll be thin. But at tackle, Leatherwood, Eichenberg, Mayfield, Walker Little, Brady Christensen. Uh, Stone Forsyth, I, I don't think is remotely a second round name, but this is somebody who's relatively new to me. I've just added him to our draft spreadsheet, James. I think he's going to be a late day two, early day three guy. I think he's actually going to be really interesting uh, to talk about as well. At guard, Wyatt Davis, Ben Cleveland, both of those guys still there. At center, Landon Dickerson still there. Quinn Miners, depending on how you evaluate him, still available. So a lot of similar names just a slightly different order of picks with, with different dominoes falling on the offensive line. And again, it backs up the the logic that there are going to be guys that can come in and be instant contributors. But here's the thing that's interesting about this to me, Jake, because we, you know, I've, I've hammered it home. You know, we did with that last simulator, this simulator has a weapon available at wide receiver, a different weapon, a guy that if you take him at 38, I'm not going to knock you. And some mocks haven't fallen this far, so I'm not going to say it's you know, crazy. Kadarius Tony, the speedster out of Florida, falling to 38. Now, everyone talked about Zach Taylor being at Florida's Pro Day because of Kyle Pitts. Well, guess who else was there? Kadarius Tony was at Florida's Pro Day. And that that's like the... Almost the under the radar storyline. I do wonder if he falls to to thirty eight, where he would be, because I could see a scenario where he is one of, if not the top player on the Bengals board, if he falls this far. I'll tell you this, James. Kadarius Tony does not meet Bengals thresholds. I don't think he's on their board before day three, and I know that's disappointing for you because of how he looks on tape, but just was a late breakout. Didn't really have great production at Florida until his fourth year and and throughout his college career didn't produce at a high enough level to meet the, the thresholds they usually like. He was a good athlete. He tested with 88th percentile athleticism, but at, at 5'11", 189, you know, the size isn't great. Um, I, I think that they probably would see him as as a slot guy instead of an outside guy. 
based on what he's put on tape and, and what he did at Florida. And so I, I do have a lot of skepticism that he is on their radar in the second round. And it doesn't hurt me because we know what I want to do. <laughs> I don't want to take a wide receiver around two because I don't think the value is there, but there to me, him falling to 38 based on what we know would be a bit of a surprise, but yeah, maybe NFL teams view it the same way that, that you're anticipating the Bengals do. And he falls a little farther than that because you're right. The, the knock on him, it's the one year there's one year of production. That's essentially it. And if he is only playing the slot, then I would take Elijah Moore all day over him, right? And there are a lot of guys that, that you're taking over him. So that that part of it is is interesting. And, and he did get hurt, I think, by guys like Terrace Marshall testing so well. Because I would take Marshall o- over Tony. I would probably take Elijah Moore over Tony. So there are a lot of guys I would probably put ahead of him. So you're right. As you checked me, it, it might be semi-likely that he falls to 38. But uh, that, that's, that doesn't mean that I would be in on him there. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if they were. You know what's really interesting in this one is the quality of edge rusher here. Both Jalen Phillips and Greg Rousseau join Carlos Basham and Ronnie wow. Perkins. I think that essentially there have been no edge players drafted except for <laughs> Cody Pay and maybe yeah. Aziz and uh, Jason Oa. Uh, but but a glut, I would say, of edge players available here. So, I, I mean, th- this is the other position that I could really see the Bengals going in the second round if, if one of these guys is there. I know they highly value edge rusher. I could definitely see them going edge rusher here. And just taking another look at the defensive line, a couple names that stand out. Levi Onzarike is here. And Davion Nixon from Iowa, a guy that could definitely be one of the first defensive interior guys taken. At corner, Asante Samuel Jr. again is there. Eric Stokes from Georgia available. And Ife Melifanwu, who I personally have a bit of a draft crush on Ife, but... I just, with the Bengals' investment in corner, I'm not sure that it's really on their radar. Rondale Moore, also there. Don't know where the Bengals are for him. I think his medicals in Indy are absolutely massive. And from the outside, it's going to be really hard to know. But a lot of similar names. And again, I think this speaks to the second round. We're seeing a trend, right? There, There appears to be quite a bit of of talent in the trenches around the top of the second round. And so there, there's, I think, certainly a trade-back scenario that this creates, right, where there's a lot yep. of guys you're pretty comfortable with. We know the Bengals like trading back in the second round. Could definitely see that happening. Let's take a look at one last simulator, though, and let's look at the draft network. So the draft network, we see Terrace Marshall gone again. Your guy, not your guy, I guess, but Kadarius Tony <laughs> has been picked. Uh, Liam Eichenberg, Dylan Raddins, Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay going very late, by the way, 36 to the Miami Dolphins in this one. But as I look at it, I can already tell when we go over to offensive tackle, again, so a lot of the same names Christensen, Leatherwood, Carmen, Mayfield, a little bit thinner here than I think we saw in some of the others. Robert Hainsey, that's another new name, James, from Notre Dame, yep. new yep. to me. Uh, but I think that the Bengals would see him as a guard could probably be a plug and play guard. Uh, no need to see a little bit more from him. Uh, Brendan James or, or James. I'm not actually sure how his last name is pronounced from Nebraska. Another guy that Brandon Thorne has been watching lately that has caused him to emerge on my radar as well. 
on the interior offensive line. Again, the, the same names, Dickerson, Davis, Humphrey, Cleveland, Miners, uh, Aaron Banks from Notre Dame, if you like him. Uh, Josh Myers from Ohio State, if you like him. A lot of guys here that, you know, if the Bengals look at their line and they think, well, we got Reef, let's fix the interior offensive line. I think people are, are a little down on Wyatt Davis, and and I get sort of why that is. He had the knee injury late in the season, but compared by PFF to Kevin Zeitler, you know, I mean, yeah. if that's how it works out, he, he's different from Billy Price. He's not a Billy Price Ohio State offensive lineman, at least we would hope, uh, based on his profile. So, again, uh, a theme there on the offensive line. Not as much there on the edge, I would say. And this one, Basham's still there, Perkins still there, but they're lower on the Draft Network's board. Joseph Osai still there. Joe Tryon, much higher on their board, is there. Noah's still there. And he's interesting because he's a freak athlete, obviously, tested out of this world. But at the same time, the production, you, you question it and you wonder about it. And, and you wonder if it's just as simple as you plug him in on the, the edge here at the NFL level and he's going to start producing. And it was just th- that's what happened in college. And that that's my big question mark with him. It has been. But he is a freak athlete. And if he's there at 38, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Bengals get in on him. As far as Rondell Moore is concerned, I just he's 5'7", man. You're so limited with what you can do. Like, it's, I, I know height doesn't matter like a ton if it's like 5'10 to 5'11. It doesn't really matter to me. But 5'7", like, are, are you, are you going to burn Marlon Humphrey? with the game on the line for a 27, a 27 yard on a 27 yard go route in Baltimore at five, seven. It's just hard. It's hard for me to, to imagine that five, nine, five, 10. Okay. Well, there's guys that have done that five, seven is really just real tough for me to, to envision. And that's not his profile either. He's not a vertical guy. At least he wasn't at Purdue at Purdue. He's, he's a middle of field, get him the ball, get him moving, get him on jet sweeps get him on the perimeter, let him work after the catch. The injuries are going to be huge, but I mean, he is a dynamic athlete and if a team can figure out, I mean, just reminds me a little bit of a little bit. I'm I'm not going to make this a very strong comparison, but Tavon Austin coming out, you know, dynamic playmaker ball in his hands. He was smaller. I think like not as dense, probably not as good of an athlete, but an electric athlete for sure. And, and just, nobody could figure out how to get the ball in his hands in the NFL. It's just, you know, when you're an outlier like that, it, it does make things challenging. But at wide receiver, since we're there, Nico Collins, Dwayne Eskridge, Tylen Wallace, Amon Ross St. Brown, Diami Brown, Rondale Moore, none of these guys are guys that I feel great about at 38. If, if it's, you know, third round, if they trade back in the second round and add a third round pick, maybe add a future pick somewhere, I, I could get behind it a little bit more. If they trade back in the first round, and add an early second round pick, I could see one of these guys feeling a little bit better. But as it is, not super confident in any of those guys. And that's the thing, Jake, is there's this this battle. Offensive line round one, wide receiver round two, or wide receiver round one, offensive line round two. And I don't think that's the battle. I really don't. Like the fifth pick, yeah, Sewell or Chase, and we're not debating that here. We admit that. But in round two, it's probably like offensive line edge or maybe interior defensive lineman depending. But that's that's probably it. It's probably trenches with corner and not wide receiver. 
And that's that's the other part of this that I think some are missing is like a lot of people are like, oh, just take a wide receiver in round two. Well, then you're reaching on a position uh, probably that isn't close to the top uh, of your board. And there's going to be offensive linemen there or there are going to be uh, edge rushers there or interior uh, offensive line. It's not just tackle. Right. I mean, the interior. This is to me that almost the sweet spot of the interior class because you can get one of these real studs. Uh, assuming they're there, you know, Humphrey, Dickerson, someone like that. So I don't think it's as simple as offensive line round one, wide receiver round two. If they go offensive line round one or wide receiver round one, I still think offensive line very much in play with that 38th pick. And the same thing goes for edge. Yeah, I think that the scenario and, and I know we were supposed to be talking about this without talking about who they go in the first round. But if they go offensive line in the first round, I think that means Second round, unless there's a faller that we don't anticipate, Bateman, Marshall, then it's probably offensive line or defensive line. If they go wide mm-hmm. receiver in the first round, I think that means they're almost certainly going offensive line in the second round and maybe the third round too. And so there, there is, I think, a, a bit of a question here about how do they see T. Higgins? Uh, how do they see the depth on the roster? Do they feel like they just need a three? Do they feel like they can get a three in the third round? And and if that's the case, maybe they go offensive line. Maybe they go Sewell. Maybe they come back in the second round, get the best edge rusher out there, try to work on that pass rush a little bit, and maybe they just get a wide receiver three in the third round. Uh, maybe they trade back at some point and get another offensive lineman in there too because I'd really see, like to see them use a couple of premium picks on the offensive line. Okay. And and that gets a little bit hard to do with, with only three picks. So obviously – quite a bit of time left. Every time we talk about this, I say there's a lot of time left less time now than last time I said that though. And (laughs) now I I think, you know, you have a little bit of an idea of who might be in play for the Bengals at pick 38 or, or if they trade back in the second round and, and sure, some of these guys are going to go early. Some of these guys are going to fall, but very likely, I mean, we just mentioned probably 20 names in each of these simulators. It's going to be some of these guys that the Bengals are considering there when they're on the clock at 38 in the second round. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow, five days every week. So if you do like your daily Bengals content, make sure you follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay and have a good one.